that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome to Buckeye Talk. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com along with Doug Maurice and Stephen Means. It is Monday, which means it is another Market Down Monday. Only a couple more of these before the season starts. It's start, I'm starting to kind of feel it. Saturday, we had an open practice. Well, I shouldn't say an open practice. We had an open window at Ohio State practice to go in and watch a good chunk of stretching and then a couple of other chunks of drills. And I don't know that I learned a lot, but it was, it was, it was interesting to see the way some things are set up and also just it really felt like football is back. We hadn't seen anybody actually playing football uh, at Ohio State anyway since the first week of March, which turned out to be the only week of spring practice. And uh, Stephen, you were there too. It just it felt good to actually go back and watch some football. Yeah, I got to actually watch Justin Fields throw a pass, and instead of you know living in the hype of what these top 100 receivers might do, we actually got to see it in person. You know, nine months after they've been in the program, and Mick Marotti has had his hands on them, and they look pretty good. So yeah, I was. We got to watch football, which we didn't, you know, it's been a while. So today is, like I said, another Market Down Monday. If you listened last week, we started, I, I, I originally called it like remarking it down. Now I'm, I, I think I've changed my mind. I'm going to pretend like those earlier times where we did season predictions were kind of just like the exhibition game. They didn't really count. And then now, now is when it really counts. Now we're like writing these down in ink. Uh, so you can go back and listen to this one from uh, mid-August that we're referencing today. But uh, we're picking our college football playoff field, and we're picking our national champion. Will Ohio State win the national championship in 2020? And I think my perspective on this season, I, it's only been a few weeks. I didn't learn so much about Ohio State from half an hour on Saturday that my thought about them has necessarily changed that much. But I think I am starting to look at all of college football a little bit differently than I did. And I still feel like there's a lot of unknowns ahead of us because we don't know with the coronavirus pandemic um, what sort of little wrinkles and hiccups and whatever else could be ahead of us. And as you guys considered this this week, um, how much different is the season already than you thought it was going to be? I can't tell if the season is different or if it's just that the Big 12 sucks. Like, I, I mean, really. So, like, the Big 12 is a mess, and also LSU lost its opener. But LSU was like fake good. They were a one-time thing. Nobody actually thought they were actually going to be a national title contender. This year, they were overranked because some voters are dumb. So, like, that's, it, that's an easy thing to explain. And then the rest of it is like Texas lost after almost losing the week before and Oklahoma lost again. And does that mean that college football is on fire? Or does it just mean that nobody in the Big 12 can tackle anybody? Which has kind of been the case for like, I don't know, like 14 years. And now in a pandemic, when you can't hit as much and whatever, the conference that can't play defense can't play defense more worser. So, you know, like that is, is that it? Is it more that the Big 12 is in its own little silo and that we really shouldn't apply that? to how we think the Big Ten season is going to work out. Or we really shouldn't apply that to how we think the SEC is going to work out. I think that might be true because, like, Georgia had a rough, a rough one a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, and then they kind of got their quarterback situation a little figured out, and they look better this week. So I don't know. It might just be like forget about the Big 12, and maybe not all that much else is different. I don't know. You, you, you're not wrong about the Big 12. The Big 12 is hot garbage right now from pretty much from top to bottom. Um, and although I will say though, you've got Miami 
making some noise in the ACC in a way that I don't really think we saw that coming into the season. I went back and listened to our podcast from mid-August today, and nobody was bringing up Miami in any kind of meaningful way. Um, now, we did bring up Derek King, I think, in passing on the Heisman one from the week before, but he was not brought – Miami was not supposed to be, like, in the top ten this week when they play Clemson, which is actually happening in real life now. Um, North Carolina um, popping up on some people's radars right now, the ACC – You've got Florida now maybe emerging as more of a threat than alongside Georgia as far as making some noise in the SEC. So I guess that's what I'm saying, too. It's not necessarily just that we learned how bad the Big 12 is. There might actually be some positive opinions that we have of some teams after just a few weeks. Or at least we're kind of considering the possibility that they might not be fake good. They might actually be good. And that's more in the ACC. Yeah, I'm not going to indulge in the Big 12 thing. The ACC has been a, po- a, a pleasant surprise. And then I think we, we, we touched on Florida a little bit when we did the Heisman thing about, you know, what Kyle Trash may be able to do there. And they're kind of validating some of the thoughts we had there. And then Georgia obviously has got some things together. But, I, yeah, most, the most interesting thing is between Miami and then Louisville a little bit, the ACC has – in North Carolina, the ACC has just been a pleasant surprise in comparison to what it's been the last couple of years. But I don't know that any of us – I don't know that anybody in college football – thinks that what is happening in any of those conferences is that anyone's actually going to beat Clemson in the ACC or that anyone's actually going to beat Alabama in the SEC or that when the Big Ten starts, anyone's going to actually beat Ohio State in the Big Ten. So it feels like to me the question is the race for the wild card spot because if what the Big 12 has done is eliminate itself, unless Oklahoma State runs the table, and that's possible, I don't know, I mean, Mike Gundy, I don't know. I mean, they, they have an offense. They, they, they're like, that's not the same thing as saying, you know, I, I mean, I can't remember where we put Oklahoma State in tears. Oklahoma State's like a winning program, right? If this is like a blip for them to take like advantage. Four, probably like a four something. I, mean, I, can, I, can, I can look at it. I mean, like they might even be a three. I mean, right? I mean, they, they win like nine games a year, eight, nine games a year. So, but I mean, I don't think they, you know, they're not quite Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame, Penn State caliber, right? So it does feel like to me, I th- all the stuff we said when we did the first playoff thing, we all said Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State make the playoff. So who's the fourth? Well, I think the Pac-12's out because Oregon was the best team and they lost too many guys to opt out. Feels like the Big 12's out. So now the race is on for the wild card spots for the best second place team. So is it going to be like the Florida-Georgia winner? Is it going to be Notre Dame? Is it going to be Miami? Is it going to be Penn State? Is it going to be Wisconsin? That race is on, and I think that race could be wonderfully muddled and wide open for much of the year. And then the secondary race, and I don't want – I mean, I mean, am I spoiling anything, Nathan? Are any of the three of us moving off of our top three picks? I don't know why we would, right? I have so the same then, three teams. So then the issue – there's the race for the fourth spot, and then there's the race to be number one to get to play that team in the semifinals. And those feel like really the only two races that matter, but both very interesting races. Let's jump right into the second of those two races. It gives a chance to talk about Ohio State and where we kind of see them coming in. I don't have the question right in front of me, but oh, actually I do. Uh, from the 513, gaining the number one seed will be critical among the big three. Does Ohio State's shorter schedule put it at a huge disadvantage? I understand what the, the, the texter is asking. I don't necessarily think it is the shorter schedule that might put Ohio State at a disadvantage as far as getting the one seed. I think it might be 
who is on that schedule that might give Ohio State a slight disadvantage as far as giving the one seed. I think it's clearly a, a schedule that is a notch below Alabama's. And as we talked about, I guess it was just last week or very recently on this podcast, it may be no worse – it may be equal to Clemson's and in some people's minds might be worse. So if all three of those teams go undefeated, Ohio State could be the Clemson of this year that gets the three seed, even though they're undefeated. Do you guys feel like that's a possibility this year, that that could be the position Ohio State's in that even though they're great all season, if the other two teams are great too, that it might be strength of schedule that uh, Ohio State loses out on in that race for the one seed or even the two seed in this case. Yeah. I actually do think the number of games will matter for the committee on some level when you're comparing teams that are otherwise I think are going to look really, really equal. So eight regular season games versus 10 regular season games versus 11 regular season games. I think it might be substantial, but sort of, as you said, Nathan, you know, Alabama's going to play Georgia in the regular season. Clemson's going to play Notre Dame in the regular season. Ohio state will play Penn state, but I, I, I do, if I had to predict right now, I would say, and again, two, two versus three doesn't matter. It's all about who can get to number one if the season unfolds as we expect. Of those three teams, if I were to rank the likelihood of who has the best chance to be the one seed, I would put Ohio State third in the likelihood of being the one seed just based on a combination of the things we're talking about. Do you agree with that, Stephen? Yeah, um, Alabama, I mean, their schedule is impressive and Clemson's schedule, is, as we talked about, isn't as easy as Ohio State's is. So, yeah, speaking right now, especially since they haven't played yet and we've at least gotten a chance to see what Alabama and Clemson look like, right now they're third. That might change after the Penn State game, but right now, yeah, they're the least likely to get the number one seed. But listen, that's based on the idea that I think they're all going to go undefeated. I think Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State are all going to go undefeated. But also, because Ohio State's schedule is easier – I guess if I had to rank the chances of going undefeated, I would also say Ohio State has the best chance to go undefeated. Very so fair. it's like always, it's, it's always the same. You look at schedules and then you say, is it an advantage or a disadvantage to have a tougher schedule? So Alabama is, gets, to, gets to look good by playing Georgia in the regular season. They also have to play Georgia in the regular season. Clemson's finally going to have a chance to impress some people because Miami might be pretty good and Notre Dame's in the ACC this year. What if Brian Kelly dials something up? What if Derek King dials something up? Then all of a sudden, you don't want that schedule. So I also think it's possible that, like, Ohio State's the only team. If, if Ohio State loses before the playoff, I'm going to be dumbfounded. I, it's, to me, it's yeah. going to be something weird happened. I, I think you have But that's have like to just, Clemson was last year. I think that's how people looked at Clemson last year. Right. And so I think if you look at Alabama and Clemson, you pull back. It wouldn't be dumbfounding for Alabama to lose to Georgia. It wouldn't no. be an absolute shock for Notre Dame to be Clemson. Right. So, you know, I mean, if I think Ohio State has a 90% chance of reaching the playoff undefeated, maybe I think Alabama and Clemson have a 75 or 80% chance. So that's still really high, but I would put it below Ohio State. But still, in the end, I still would say Ohio State third best chance to be the number one seed. And to that point of what you just said, Nathan, that's how they looked at Clemson last year. They ended up the number three seed in all of this. So. When we voted on this, when our texters voted on this, I should say back in August, 100% of our texters had Ohio State making the playoff. Shock. Um, and all of them had them being a, a three seed or better. So, I mean, everybody was looking at this as an undefeated season, I think, even back then when it was a 12-game schedule, as we, we were talking about as if it would be a 12-game schedule back in August. And um, I think that's even more likely now that with this schedule in front of them. So kind of the corollary to that, though, 
went going back and listening in, to us in August, we were still very much of the mindset that like, well, I mean, Clemson with this garbage schedule that they play Clemson, I mean, they're just going to walk in Clemson. And, and, and now I think that, I think we have, we already have had it a, a very different conversation about the, the path that's ahead of Clemson, that they may have a tougher path to the, um, into the playoff than Ohio state does. And this is, so that schedule, no, they weren't playing Notre Dame, right? Clemson was not playing Notre Dame. They were, I think they were like, no, I think they did originally play Notre were they, Dame. Were they playing Notre so. Dame all along this year? But we didn't know what, how good Miami was. Okay. Um, we're getting a better idea of North Carolina. So there have been some other wrinkles. I mean, not playing, not playing at Oregon really blows a hole in Ohio State's schedule. Yes. So, I mean, again, for good and for bad. So it really, I mean, that felt like a game. Oregon at full strength on the road week two. I, I mean, that, that was not a gimme. With Sewell, um, with all those DBs, I mean, that was that was going to be one of the games of the year. Absolutely. So you take that out of Ohio State's schedule, and I think I think Stephen made the right point. If Ohio State, and we already had this conversation, but if Ohio State does is playing a Clemson-like schedule, as Urban Meyer said a couple weeks ago, Clemson was the three seed last year. So I just don't know. Some stuff would have to happen for Ohio State playing that schedule to not be the three seed. One thing we also talked about back in mid-August was the concept of the angry Bama. This is something that Doug had brought up, I think, even months earlier as far as, like, that could be one of the narrative. The, I know you don't like the word narrative, but one of the topics, of the, one of the themes of the 2020 season. And I, I'm just curious. I mean, Stephen, I know you watch a lot of games on the weekend, and I try mm-hmm. to. Just any thoughts so far of Alabama? I mean, these receivers look tough. Um, Jones has looked pretty solid early on. I mean, I, I think, I don't know if it, I, my, my counter argument to the angry Bama thing was like, I don't know if they're gonna be angry. I think they're just gonna be really damn good. And right now they look really good. A lot of talent. Um, they don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think Mac Jones is not a first round NFL quarterback. So it's, I saw a draft analyst say over the weekend that Mac Jones might be a first round NFL quarterback, just so you know, <laughs> you don't have to, there are years where you can get into the first round. I mean, where there'll be like six quarterbacks taken. You don't have to stand out that much to get into the first round as Listen, a quarterback sometimes. I, no, nobody's arguing he's as good as Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence, but right. like yeah. he, he might be as good as like <coughs> Josh Rosen. He might be as good as like Jordan Love, right? I mean, you can run this run through the list of first round. So anyway, that's just to throw yeah. it out there. I he, can't remember who it was. I saw it. I was surprised when I saw it, but I saw it. The quarterback had, that people are fighting over to be number one can be very different than the guy who gets taken 23rd by the team that just yeah. desperately needs one for what in a weird way or whatever. But the point I'm going to make is he has been better than I thought he was going to be. And right. that was my big question when we were doing the angry Bama thing was, that's all fine and good, but is your quarterback you know, good enough to you know, sustain a lot of that, even with the talent around him? And, yes, he's been pretty quality. Alabama's off to a solid start in their season. And so, yes, I'm convinced at this point that angry Bama is a real thing. I'm going to be honest here. I, I'm not going to, I don't watch a lot, a lot of college football when I'm not getting paid to watch college football. And, and right now I'm not getting paid to watch college football because I okay. watched the Browns on Sunday. I saw the Jalen Waddle sluggo route, yeah. whatever it is in and go um, shot out of a cannon. And I thought they don't do that in the big 10. So <laughs> it's weird. It's just a thing. And, it, and it's a thing that I think I try to remind Ohio state fans of it's two different points. The Bama team that Ohio State played in the playoff had Blake Sims at quarterback, and they had Amari Cooper at receiver, and like not – I don't know they had a lot else at receiver. They threw everything to Amari Cooper. This Bama team has three receivers. Whatever Mac Jones is, he's better than Blake Sims. 
And there's just like, this is a different level. The whole thing with Alabama during the first part of the Saban era was win with defense. You win with like Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron type of quarterbacks. You weren't explosive on offense. You just shut everybody down. They, Najee Harris, again, Travis ATN. I just follow a lot of draft analysts. Draft analysts were watching Travis ATN, the Clemson running back, and saying, why did he come back? He would be like a top 10 NFL running back right now as a rookie. Oh my God. And then Najee Harris from Alabama, I saw people saying he's the best running back in college football. So he was I'm the number just, two player in the country in the 2017 recruiting class. So <laughs> I'm just telling you, and I'm not trying to be a negative Nelly about Ohio State. I'm just telling you, Clemson's got a first round back. Bama's got a first round back. I don't think Ohio State does. Bama has three explosive, dynamic, ready to roll receivers right now. Ohio State might have two, right? But I just, you know, Jalen Waddle's better than Chris Olave. I, I don't mean to offend people like that, but if you were having a draft, I'd take Jalen Waddle and I'd probably take Devonta Smith. So I'm just, that's, we have to remember during this whole thing. And they're the only two teams that you can have the conversation about. We just have to respect and remember how good Bama and Clemson are. And yes, Justin Ross isn't there for Clemson. And yes, I don't know that Trevor Lawrence was was all world on Saturday, but man, Trevor Lawrence is Trevor Lawrence and they're just both really good. And I really do think, and Nathan, we can get into this whenever you want to get into it. We're talking about the idea of being the one seed and getting to play that fourth seed. I'm just trying to figure out how important that might be. And it feels like, man, it might be like practically life and death for the season, kind of important as it was last year. So we've already seen what's the difference between the three seed and the four seed. It's a difference between a team that can win the national title and a team that looks incompetent and shouldn't be here. And I'm kind of expecting the same gap is going to be there between three and four this year, which means that race for number one is just huge. Which goes we're back gonna... to the eye test conversation in, in the world where we're saying Ohio State probably has the easiest schedule to all these guys. They can't afford to, you know, Justin Fields to be sitting on the bench for the fourth quarter. He's got to play deep and they've got to, you know, they've got to keep their their foot to the pedal a little bit because in a way that Clemson and Alabama don't have to do because they don't have the schedules to make up for that. Yeah, but if it's already 51 to nothing, he's not playing in the fourth quarter. I mean, they got to keep him well, healthy. Yeah, yeah, that's the only other way they can win. So um, I, I will say we're going to get to the seeding more in a second because we're going to give our four through one again. I will say it's not necessarily the matchup of Alabama's receivers versus Ohio State's receivers that I think is interesting. It's Alabama's receivers versus what Ohio State has on defense right now that's interesting. And Ohio State's defensive backs will always say, you know, they hear you say, hey, they don't do that in the Big Ten. And they'll say, well, they do at Ohio State practice. And this year they better be right because um, those guys have to have gotten tested by someone because it's not coming from Rutgers and Maryland and IU even and Illinois and Nebraska. That, it, that, that ain't it. It's got to come from the guys that they line up against every day in practice. But don't be scared. I, I just want to throw – I don't want people to think like, oh, no, if Ohio State's not the one seed, they can't win the national title. It goes back to the thing that I said before they played Clemson last year. Don't be scared. Ohio State's as good as Clemson. But Clemson's also as good as Ohio State. And as it turned out, it, it felt like LSU had an edge getting to play a much easier semifinal, and Ohio State and Clemson went toe-to-toe, -to -toe, and then LSU won it all. So it felt like a little bit – I don't know that it, that was the only difference, but Ohio State can beat – both Clemson and Bama to win the national title this year. They absolutely can. Ohio state is capable of that, but it would be easier to beat the four seed and one of those teams. That's all. So with the big 12 being kind of a dumpster fire right now, 
and the Pac-12 also being a little bit diminished right now because we, you know, Oregon, I think, is still the, the favorite to win that championship. But Oregon's not the Oregon that we thought they were even in mid-August. You don't have Penny Sewell. They've had some other guys opt out that were important players. So Oregon may be diminished to the point where they can't run the table in that conference. So with, with considering those two things, if you take the Big 12 and the Pac-12 off the table, do the chances of a two-loss SEC team getting in go up? Do the chances of a second Big Ten team getting in go up? So two very I th- different questions. Really. I mean, I think it, it might come down to, do you wind up with a split somewhere? And by that, I mean, do Notre Dame and Clemson split? One team wins in the regular season, and they rematch in the mm-hmm. ACC championship game, and it's a different result. Do Bama and Georgia split? They play in the regular season, they rematch in the SEC championship game, and it's a different result. If you get... It's harder with like Ohio State. That's not going to happen, right? Because they're not going to play Penn State or Michigan Mm -hmm. in the Big Ten championship game, and they don't play Wisconsin or Minnesota in the regular season. So I think that makes it a little harder for the Big Ten. I don't know, again, what the chances of a split, but I think the most likely four seed is a split. And then if there's a if there's not a split, then it's then it then it could be anything. Then it's a. I think it ends up being a lot of eye test of. Penn State versus Notre Dame versus Florida, maybe versus Oklahoma State, who just looks like, like the better team? Because my guess is going to be it's going to just be a result of like, well, they clearly weren't the best team in their league. They, they got kind of hammered or controlled by the best team in their league. So now that we got to compare them across leagues, though. And I just, I just don't know how that's going to go. That, I think, opens the door maybe for, for a team like Penn State. Like if Penn State looks awesome, and they lose to Ohio State at home by 10, that's a pretty good resume against Florida and Notre Dame and everybody else. But you've just got to hope there's no split. And to the point of Penn State, the, the benefit there is Ohio State's week two. So you have six more games to kind of prove your point there. And you would literally just have to look amazing for those last six games and make it very obvious that, okay, the only team better than you in this conference is Ohio State, and we know they're a national championship and could I make a point that it's possible that week nine championship week for the Big Ten factors in here? Is that what you're going to say? Literally, I was about to say, yeah. Go ahead. What do you think about that? Well, I'm just saying, like, in the past years, if you miss out on the championship, because we talked about this on, on the first pod about this, that there's never been a team that lost its conference championship game and made the playoff. There have only been three non-champions that made the playoff. It was Notre Dame. It was Alabama. And it was uh, Ohio State, the year that they right. won the national championship. So no, there's not, not no, the year they won the or the year that they lost. 2016. Yeah, right. 2016, right. The year they lost to Clemson, right. So, um, so it's never happened before the team lost. Although as we were listening to that, I thought to myself, well, I think if Ohio State had lost to Wisconsin last year, they probably would have still been the four. Probably. I agree. I agree. There are various scenarios where there were teams that were so good. Yeah. They but it hasn't happened. It, but it hasn't yeah. happened in six years. It, it hasn't happened. Right. It hasn't That's happened yet. Great. So, um, but I think this year is interesting because if if you're if you're let's say it's Penn State, let's say it's a competitive loss to Ohio State, and you get the end of the year, and then now they play a, a team like Minnesota or whoever out of the West that's still pretty highly ranked, or Wisconsin, um, you know, a, a high a top fifteen caliber team that you get to play an extra game against, that absolutely helps the Big Ten because n- not every conference is out there doing that. Like if you're if you are the runner up, if you're Georgia or Florida and you don't win the East. You don't have anybody else to play to help your resume in that final week. I think that was actually a pretty savvy thing that the Big Ten did. I have some – I still have some questions about the 
point of doing this at the bottom of the conference and how well that's going to go over. Um, I might need to see it to believe it, but at the top of the conference, I think it's potentially only nothing but benefit. I think, I think they might do this from now on. I think it's such a good idea that I would rather give an extra buy in the middle of the year and say, you're only playing two crossovers instead of three. It's, it's an interesting approach because it would give everybody a week off and then all you're losing is like, so the championship game teams wind up playing one fewer game, right? Because right now they're playing one more game. Mm-hmm. But if you just said everybody's playing championship weekend and we're kind of making it an East versus West kind of thing, we're having a little fun with it, but it also is like a last and some of this stuff, there could be both stuff on the line, right? I mean, like that's in a normal year, there is some reason to play. Because it might be, you might have some five-win teams playing some five-win teams, right? You might, oh, we're trying, this is sort of for like positioning to get in the Outback Bowl. You know, the winner of the number three game gets in the Outback Bowl and the loser goes to the Music City Bowl. I don't know what the bowl agreements are anymore. I think it could be really good and really fun. But the idea that it gives, it's harder to make the playoff when the last thing the committee saw about you was a loss. And that it gives the second best team in a division to make its case on championship weekend with a win, I just think is really interesting. And if you're giving up, all right, well, so, you know, Penn state's not going to play Northwestern during the regular season. Cause they're only going to play two crossover instead of three and then just play on championship weekend. I think that's worth it. I think they should do it from now on. I'm trying to think how much better that would sound in a world where there's an 18 playoff. And where, you know, the teams who aren't necessarily playing for the championship, but would be in consideration for an 18 playoff, that's your last, you know, case to make for why you should be one of the eight teams. Certainly. I think certainly then it, it makes it very larger. interesting. Yeah. If it the makes playoff it were larger, it would, have, it would have even more of an impact. But I think in a year like this, I, I don't think it's outlandish to think that the Big Ten could be vying for that second spot because I think everything is wide open for that fourth spot. I will say I talked to someone this week and someone like a league source will say, and they, because I, I brought up how Barry Alvarez on the day of the announcement had said, well, every team will have the opportunity to play a ninth game. And I thought that was an odd way of saying it. It made me wonder if, like, are they going to tell, are they going to let, like, if, if the two teams that would be playing for 13th don't want to play, then they don't have to. But they said that it was their understanding that there will be seven games on that weekend, which I, the more I thought about it, I was like, the only way you'd let a team not play is if they're going to pay all the other teams whatever the TV money would have been to play that that they're not going to get by not playing that game. You know what I mean? So I, I think they probably are going to, it is going to be a full seven games, which I, again, I don't know about the last place bowl. I don't know how much interest there'll be in that. Um, if teams want to put themselves through that mockery for lack of a better term, but I also don't necessarily mind it. Like you kind of got to put up and shut up, put up or shut up sometimes. Can I ask a question that again, I shouldn't ask a question that I don't, I don't know the answer to where are the games. Do I don't know? know that that's been decided yet, but are they on, I keep wondering, are they going to play the number the, the two-seed game on Friday in Indianapolis, the day ahead of the championship It would game? make a lot of sense, yeah. Or would they play it mm-hmm. at noon? Like, or would, would you mean you, the 3-4 game? Yeah, the, well, the – two, The two seeds against each other. Yeah, yeah the yeah, number yeah, two yeah, yeah. in each division against each other. Yeah. Or would you play – or, like, are they home? How do you decide who's home and who's away? Do you split it east and west? It's like I have, I have no idea what the answer to that is. Mm-hmm. I think the more that you make it – like a Big Ten festival. And I just, I don't know the logistics. I mean, to me, if you could play a noon game on Friday, an eight o'clock game on Friday, a noon game on Saturday, and an eight o'clock game on Saturday, 
and then you told the five, six, and seven seeds to figure it out. They can go play in a parking lot somewhere. Like I, th- that would be awesome. Yeah. I, it would be a Big Ten festival. You'd have, and if you're an Iowa fan or an Indiana fan or a Maryland fan or a Northwestern fan, and you're coming to watch your team play in the fourth place game, and then it's like, I don't know, you want to try to get a ticket for the championship game? It's like, I don't know, we're here. Like, I just think you would really create a cohesive atmosphere of like, it would become a Big Ten end of season celebratory festival. I like games where you don't have to schedule it forever ahead. And like, you don't know, there's like a surprise to it. It's like, well, who else are we playing this year? It's like, I don't know. We're going to try to get into the three seed game. And we think that three seed games, probably Michigan in the East, if we get, but you don't know. Oh, it's Indiana. I just, I just think there's like no downside to it. And the more that you can make it in one place, or if, again, if you put four games in one city and three games in another city, I just think it would be awesome. And I don't know what the argument against it is other than, well, now you're losing a home game of revenue if you actually are dropping a regular season game for everyone to play these games at the end of the year. And we know how teams are with their home game revenue. But, man, I just love the thought of it. I love festival multi-game in a weekend atmospheres. And again, if we have had, we have had a discussion on this podcast before about, would you ever do a big 10 chant, man, if you're ever going to get anybody in this league to do a big 10 chant, little big 10 festival action leading into the playoff is the way to get that going. I, I like it. Um, except in a world of COVID, I don't know if you could do four games in one weekend. I think more ideally, especially with how the big 10 is going about things safely this year, you could do the, two seeds on a Friday night and then the one seed then the championship game on a Saturday night, but in a normal year. Yeah. The idea of a noon game and a seven o'clock or eight o'clock game and then a noon game, eight o'clock game the next day is, is perfect. Well, and I don't really mean it this year. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's four, but like in the future, if they would do it. Yeah. I mean, I would love to see yeah. four games in the host city and then you could, is this the point of the podcast? I'm sorry, Nathan. Sorry. And you could rotate, you could rotate, the other three games. And so if, say if you made it that the one and the two, the one, the two, the four and the six, let's say play in Indy and the three, five and seven play in a rotating Detroit, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Chicago, right? I just, Nathan, can you, uh, you said you, it was who told is a big 10 source. I told you about the league tiebreaker? source. Yes. League source. Can you tell them my idea? I, I, well, you don't think they listen to this? Everybody at the Big Ten listens to this podcast. If, if they listen to that one podcast. True. That is true. Hi, Kevin if they listen Warren. to one podcast. By I the mean, way, as, I, I, as, I was as, on... as nice as we all were to Kevin Warren and everybody else at the Big Ten for all those weeks, how could they not listen to us? I will say, to my credit, I'm as mean to Kevin Warren to his face as I am behind his back. That is my credo in life. As mean to your face as we are behind your back. Buckeye talk. Oh. I was on a serious XM Big Ten show last week, and they said they listen to Buckeye talk. It's catching. What's it's up? The, it's, it's What's the, up, those guys? Love you guys. It's the second most potent virus <laughs> rolling across the country right now. Buckeye talk. We're going to take a break right there because this is going to go off the rails pretty soon. We're going to come back. I want to get some, some impressions of the other contenders here. And we're going to uh, talk about our texter predictions because some of them I thought gave some interesting uh, answers. And then we'll get into our second try at marking it down on the college football playoff for 2020. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. 
right, we are back on Buckeye Talk. We have already talked about how we still think that this is, and we haven't given our, our seeds yet, but for the college football playoff for 2020, we still see this as really a, a three-team race for those top three seeds, and then who's going to be number four. So I'm going to give – I got a list of teams here, and I just want to hear – I just want a snap impression. Is this team a contender for the four seed or getting one of the top four seeds or a pretender? Notre Dame. Contender. Contender. Penn State. Contender. Contender. Miami. Pretender. Pretender. I agree with all three of those so far. I think I'm on the fence on Penn State, though. I'm not sure. Uh, Oklahoma State. Pretender. Pretender. Somebody's Texas and Oklahoma are not going to let Oklahoma State no. get through that season undefeated. Yeah, no. that's the thing. Like, I, I somebody's got to win that division or that conference um, by some work of magic, but um, I don't think they're going to do it unscathed. I and mean, somebody's going to lose and still win that, and it, probably more than once. Um, and they've which, blown they've blown their reputation. That like I think like a one loss Big Twelve champ probably is behind doesn't get behind in. a non champ. You know, just because like. I think the yeah, committee, maybe, yeah. the committee people are thinking mm-hmm. the same thing we think right now, which is it's not just like when Ohio State lost to Virginia Tech and then was trying to get through that year, it wasn't like a conference wide necessarily collapse as much. This is just like I think everybody thinks that conference stinks, and so you have a great big hurdle to overcome as the champ of that conference. And that conference keeps getting in and getting their doors knocked off. So. I don't know how much the committee cares about that. I think they, I, I do think they, it, it's more of a year by year thing for them, but I think Doug is right that this year they are digging themselves a hole. It's going to be hard collectively for that conference to, to dig out of uh, Wisconsin. Pretender. So here's the deal. Jack Cohn might be hurt. Yep. And college coaches, but pro coaches do it too. Tyrod Taylor was the starter in Cleveland until he got hurt, and then Baker Mayfield took over because Hugh Jackson wouldn't pull the trigger. Tyrod Taylor was the starter for the Chargers until the team doctor punctured his lung, and then Justin Herbert took over because Anthony Leland wouldn't pull the trigger. Coaches hate benching starting quarterbacks that they like. And I think Paul Christ likes Jack Cohn because Jack Cohn – is a fighter and he's a leader and he does all the quarterback stuff that mediocre quarterbacks do. And Hey, Graham Mertz's time will come. I have no idea. My general assumption is that Graham Mertz was as good as Jack Cohn. The minute Graham Mertz Mertz walked on that campus. If this is what it takes for Graham, Graham Mertz is a real dude. He's a real dude because Ohio state wanted him and Ohio state didn't want like, and eh, we threw offers to guys. Ohio state like wanted him, wanted him. He was committed to Wisconsin. They tried to flip him, and he wouldn't flip. If that guy is a guy, and we've been talking about that he might be a guy, I don't know how much it changes the world for Wisconsin. They've got another running back lined up. They've got more offensive linemen lined up. I will say contender based on a possible upside that we have not seen from Wisconsin since Russell Wilson. I'm not comparing Graham Mertz to Russell Wilson. I'm saying he may be the biggest upside quarterback since they had Russell Wilson in 2011. And then otherwise this run of Wisconsin quarterbacks is game managers who never scare you. And that is why Wisconsin can beat everybody except Ohio state, because you can't beat Ohio state 
most of the time with a game manager who doesn't scare you. I don't care how good your run game is. But if that dude is legit, if Mertz gets to play and he's legit, I have to say Wisconsin's a contender. If he's legit, but also they use him in that way. That's, my, that's part of why I'm saying pretender right now. Because, I mean, Ohio State had to go through it with, with Dwayne Haskins. Urban Meyer, that wasn't easy for Urban Meyer to make that transition into where Ohio State quarterback play and the passing game needed to be. And it was a hard transition at the beginning of the season. That's my – yes, I think Graham Mertz is good. But are they going to actually, you know – update their offense or is it still going to be a run heavy thing and Graham Mertz is still going to be used as a game manager so because of that I have to say pretender even if the talent at quarterback would suggest that they could be a contender and it might not happen if, if it's his first year playing I mean it might be too early on this it might be maybe more of a contender in 2021 by the way everything that Doug said during his response to that question was taken almost verbatim out of my madness column because I have a thing in there about Graham Mertz and uh, what it means for Wisconsin potentially. So I also am saying pretender, but they are much more of a contender with him than they were without him, I believe. I don't think they were dynamic enough without someone like him, a quarterback, and I think this could be the the Wally Pip, uh, Tyrod Taylor kind of thing where uh, Jack Cohn is playing as a grad transfer somewhere else next year or something because – the Graham Mertz era has arrived. Uh, the, the reporting from Jeff Petrika said that they're, they are thinking there's going to be surgery and that Cone will miss several weeks. So that really opens a door for if, if, if Mertz is legit, that it, there seems to be a big window for him to potentially get a foot in and take that job. There was a, a lot of uh, various body part metaphors that I just threw into one sentence there. I will say we, we talk a lot about ruthlessness, right? Nick Saban ruthlessness and, Ryan Day, we thought, exhibited some ruthlessness, and and there's you know people thought maybe Urban Meyer wasn't ruthless enough. I, I think I would find four thousand adjectives to describe Paul Crisp before I got to ruthless. So like I just don't think, and loyalty is great. Loyalty has an upside. Loyalty engenders culture that, that makes you win. But every now and then, you've got to be willing to go against that for the good of the team sometimes. that Your loyalty is to the team and the program and not to the individual player who didn't do anything wrong but is no longer your best option to win. So I just feel like maybe this is – and I don't – listen. I just think every quarterback at Wisconsin is a noodle arm. Do you use, did you use the phrase noodle arm in your madness column at all? I, was, I started to use the term phrase noodle arm, and then I realized I was going to have to explain it, and I, I just – I had enough words in the column already. So it's, it's a, it, instead of an arm, pretend that instead of an arm, you have a noodle. That's how you can explain it. Like a noodle. People know what a noodle is. I've, I've, called, we've, I've called too many Wisconsin quarterbacks noodle arm. So it's not personal with Jack Cohn. I just think he's fine. And fine will get you 10 wins. Fine's not going to get you the playoff. I think Graham Mertz upside is more than fine. That's all. No offense. I think so too. Uh, two more teams I want to throw at you. North Carolina. That's your guy, Steven. That guy's good. Sam Howell was yeah. doing a little more. I mean, it's one of those things. It's funny. It's like Mitch Trubisky did stuff at North Carolina, and it was like people were like, wow, Mitch Trubisky. He was only a one-year starter. He couldn't beat out the guy ahead of him for a couple of years, but everybody was like, he's got an interesting run-pass combo. He's got a lot of skills. We're going to make him the number two pick in the NFL draft, and it kind of didn't work, and he's lost his job, and that looks like a bust. And now it's Sam Howell, and it's like, well, he looks better than Mitch Trubisky, who was the number two pick in the draft. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how good that guy's going to be. But again, that was another guy who was legit coming in. This is not out of nowhere. This is what North Carolina expected, and it feels like it's here. 
contender. Um, they've got a quality schedule that could help them because they'll play Nor- Notre Dame and Miami back-to-back, and then they'll have the, the no- nobody cares game before they would play in the ACC championship game, which would probably be against Clemson at that point. So contender. I'll, Legit- still, say, I, well, I'll still say pretender, though, but I know you love Howell. Yeah. I, I still say pretender, but I, I think they could be a real spoiler in, in that division, in that conference, um, per, perhaps even for Clemson. I don't know if they can, if the one loss, but, but I mean, if, if North Carolina trips up, but still makes the ACC championship game and then beats Clemson, then maybe you've got something there. Um, because some of these programs, if you're going to be a contender, you, you can't just win one big game. You've got to right. win like three big games. It's, it's tough to make the playoff, man. So could North Carolina, like, beat Notre Dame? Yeah, North Carolina could beat Notre Dame. Could they also, like, lose to, to Georgia Tech or Boston College or lose some screw? Like, I just don't think North Carolina is going to go 10-1. and one. And I think, I think that's what it would take to be in the mix for the four seed. North Carolina could be this year's Minnesota. They could go up and, and beat Penn State at home, like, have a pretty significant win. I mean, beating Penn State anywhere is a good win. And the next week you go lose to Iowa, and then you're out of it. Like, that's just – you don't even win your division. So, I, I, that, I could see them having a season similar to that. And you, that might finish, like, you might finish in the top ten, but yeah. you're not really going to be in the – and you might be in the mix for some portion of the season where people are going, hey, I don't know if they show – you know, that they're right. in the discussion. And there's nothing better than being in the discussion. But will they be in the discussion in the room with the committee on December 19th? I would say pretender. And I'm trying to remember if Minnesota got that. Did they get – when they beat Penn State, I think they were at a point in the, in the, the playoff revelation show where they didn't show up on, like, the first screen, where they got revealed on, like, the second screen. And, like, just like that is a big – progression for a conference or for a team so I think that could be something North Carolina gets this year but I think that might be uh, as high as they can reach and in the last team and it's going to trigger another conversation but Cincinnati pretender there's too many actual teams in the power five conferences I know people love the non-power five stuff there are people on who listen to this podcast who probably love Cincinnati it's just not gonna happen make your case for why Cincinnati deserves it more than Georgia go. I would like to hear what this is. And, and, and Nathan, I a hundred percent agree with you. What you said that the committee only thinks about this year. And I've said that every time it's been talked about for six years, but we did have the discussion on the podcast the other day about like, did Ohio state, you know, when they got in and then 15, they didn't make it, but 16, they got in because of 14 and then 17 and 18, they didn't get in because of 16. I a hundred percent agree with you. They only think about this year. But can I have room for more than 100% in here? Like, I just think there might be a 2% of like, hey, guess what? Cincinnati played a playoff contender recently. And they looked like they didn't belong on the field against Ohio State last year. It doesn't mean Cincinnati's not a great program. It means get out of here when we're talking about Cincinnati versus Georgia, Florida, Penn State, Notre Dame, Miami, like, just get out. And I, I just think that's real. Even before the Big Ten decided to play, I don't even think that was much of a conversation of a non-Power 5 team getting into the playoff, honestly. You got to be one of those people. If you yeah. are one of those people who is a true believer in the non-Power 5, maybe you saw an opening. I am anti that. So I'm not saying that's completely wrong. I just, like, will never get there. We did have texters who were bringing it up from the 843. Their four teams were – 
Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, and Cincy. It's 2020. Let 2020. Let's see a non-power five in the dance. And we also had uh, from the 912, Alabama the one, Ohio State the two, Clemson the three, Cincinnati the four, OSU over Alabama. Um, I added Cincy after seeing them play. I think that last spot will be between a one-loss Big 12 champ, Florida with their only loss to Bama, a one-loss Pac-12 champ, and undefeated Cincinnati. If there were ever a year for a, a G5 team to get in, it's this year the committee makes it the P6. And I agree with Doug in that I disagree with that read on it. I just I feel like even an undefeated group of five team, especially in this season, when none of those group of five teams got to play anybody of consequence outside their own conference. They didn't get to go play any, even like a marginal power five team and, and go on the road and beat them. You know, if Cincinnati had gotten to play a non-conference schedule and Cincinnati had gotten to go play at Michigan state and win and, and look convincing doing it, even that alone helps their case this year. When you, all you're playing is uh, UCF and SMU and Memphis Whoever, I, I, that is not going to get you in over unless something really crazy happens where it's just a bunch of two-loss teams and everybody beats up on each other more than we're thinking. Almost even then, it's probably even less likely. They're still going to – I think the benefit of the doubt is still going to go to Power 5 if you haven't beaten any Power 5 teams. That is the point. You are a 1,000% correct. The only way a non-Power 5 team ever makes a playoff is because they have a fantastic top 10 win during the regular season against a power five team. Houston had it a couple of years ago. They opened the season by beating Oklahoma and that cracked the door, right? You can usually see ahead. You can see a year or two ahead. This is a good non-power five team that has a really good power five team on its schedule. That's the door cracker. And without that, even if there are a couple people, Nathan and Steven, I think at the end of the year in the committee that they would get in that room and Cincinnati's undefeated, they might have that in their head. And then there are going to be a couple people who make that point persuasively, and it's inarguable. It's inarguable. And isn't this crazy year, the last thing they want, it would be a risk for the committee to do that. It's no fun to watch Oklahoma lose by 70 to LSU. It's even less fun to watch Cincinnati lose by 4,000 to Alabama. Because when Oklahoma loses to LSU that way, that's on Oklahoma. They were the pick, right? If Cincinnati gets in and loses that way, that's on the committee. And nobody wants that on mm-hmm. them. Yep, that is a very good way to put it. Um, looking back to mid-August when we did this the first time, um, most of our texters picked Ohio State to win the national championship. We had 26 picking them to play Clemson for the championship and had OSU going 25-1 and one in those games. That's on you, Joe, uh, Josh Mustachio. And uh, OSU over Alabama in 20. 20 championship matchups between OSU and Alabama, and they had OSU going 20 and 0 there. So 45 and 1 against Clemson or Alabama. And I think I, I noticed, again, I didn't do this. I didn't go back and tabulate everything because I don't know who voted the first time, who voted the second time. I tried to pick out some from people who said they were changing their vote. Um, but I did start to feel like Ohio State wasn't getting as many one seeds, that there may have been some pull down, either because they think Ohio State's playing less games. Um, Whatever. So here, here's some examples from the 601. Uh, they have Ohio State as the one seed at nine and zero. Alabama at eleven and zero. The two seed. Clemson eleven and one. The three seed. Florida ten and one. The four seed. And then Ohio State over Clemson for the championship. Ohio State wins with Sean Wade getting the game clinching sack after a go ahead touchdown to Chris Olave. Doug runs on the field trying to see how much confetti he can gather for his guinea pigs. Do guinea pigs enjoy confetti? They like to roll around in it. It makes them feel safe. And I think sometimes they eat it. 
<laughs> I bet they do. What's better than eating each other? We wait. What? We we continue to be uh, fearful of the idea that the girl guinea pig that we thought was a boy is pregnant, and oh. the point was brought up in the house that well, if she has babies, she'll just eat them anyway, so it'll be okay, and we won't have to deal with it. And and that didn't really feel like the solution that I was looking for. Wait, that's a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, we had gerbils when I was a kid, and they will they will scarf them. The animal kingdom. <laughs> what? <laughs> Tonight's a, Buckeye Talk is brought to you by Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. It's a strange and beautiful place. And I have often argued that I do not appreciate when we as humans jump into the middle of the food chain. We choose a random spot in the food chain. And we, we, we decide that the person... The person, the animal in the food chain that is eating the thing below it is bad. And the thing that is a trying to avoid getting eaten is good. Because in the food chain, there's always somebody trying to eat you and somebody you're trying to eat. So we watched a monkey movie a couple years ago. I remember very specifically. And it was like, look at the monkeys. We love the monkeys. And then it was like one night, it was like the monkeys went to sleep. And the monkeys woke up. And when the monkeys woke up, there was one less monkey. And it was like, what happened? And it was like, this other kind of monkey ate that monkey. And I was like, all right, well, if this movie was about that kind of monkey, we would have been saying, look at the monkey. He found some food in the night. He murdered this other monkey and ate him. It's only our perspective that changes. This is life. So I don't want to make it seem like if my guinea pig has babies and eats the babies, I don't want us to be mad at the mom guinea pig. It's the circle of life. You have a baby, you eat a baby. <laughs> Let's not jump in the middle of the food chain and start assigning blame. That's all. But, but the eat your own baby is, the pro is my only issue. It's, I don't care if you eat a baby, but why would you eat the thing you just birthed? Because it's there. Yeah, you, they don't have emotions. They don't send each other birthday cards and stuff. Like they don't—they're just animals. Happy birthday! You're my lunch. Yeah. Also, the circle of life. There's—it's—it's it's some some people have a hula hoop and some people have a cheerio. The circle of life is is a different sizes and. That's and not even a circle of life, though. The whole point of that was, we the antelope eat the grass and we eat the we eat the antelope and we become the grass and that's how they eat us. This is, I brought you in and now I'm taking you back out. And I'm, I'm blaming all this on our texters, but I'm going to keep reading some more. This is Baker of the 803. We checked to make sure this isn't Baker Mayfield. I don't think that 803 area code is in the Southwest, and it's not here in Ohio. But um, I, I want to pretend it's Baker Mayfield who's, who's texting in um, after quarterback room stuff, I guess. Um, they had Alabama with a one seed starting earlier and playing two extra games, looking crazy good on offense. They'll get far enough ahead that Ohio State can only be a two seed. Then they have Ohio State at two with a late start. Those star freshman wide receivers and injured running backs get up to speed quickly, and OSU coasts into the two seed. Florida, their three seed. An undefeated regular season and an OT thriller versus Bama in the SEC title game gives Florida the three seed over the ACC champ, and their ACC champ and national championship game matchup with Ohio State Miami, after losing a tight game on a terrible call to Clemson in the regular season matchup, Miami avenges its only regular season loss by beating Clemson by two touchdowns in the ACC title game. That is some, that is some fun fan fiction right there. Another Ohio State-Miami national championship game. The 803 area code is Central South Carolina. 
So yeah. I, it's probably not Baker. Eh, I love, I, I love the it's fans. His burner. It's his burner. I love like when Baker's like on the field warming up before a Browns game, he's listening to Buckeye talk. He's like, yeah, I like these guys talking about fast food. Um, <laughs> Those dancing videos is just him listening to yeah. the, the yeah. Buckeye talk theme song. <laughs> you think he's like doing somebody this, out the there sync that yeah, up? That's not what he's doing. <laughs> somebody Genesis. out there, somebody out there, sync that up and send it to us. It's uh, he's, I, he's going but, like. Alex Grinch is a fraudulent assistant coach. Doo -doo. Yep. <laughs> um, there's a there's a Twitter account called uh, People Dancing to Steely Dan, and they took that Baker Mayfield dancing on the field thing one time and put I can't remember which Steely Dan song they put over it, um, but it, it were it, it synced up perfectly. It was it was a great. We would we would certainly invite Baker to listen whenever he wanted to. Yeah, and if I were texting us, I would use a burner. Although if he listened, we probably would actually hear about it because we rip Oklahoma's defense so often that he probably he probably would like have called me out on Twitter by now. No, he's probably sick of Alex Grinch too. So next time so you're on a Zoom call, agrees. ask him how many touchdowns he would throw against this Oklahoma defense. Yeah, I, I will say it's making it a little less fun to be make to make fun of Alex Grinch because everybody does it now. And I would like to say I do think there is a great difference. If you think that every assistant coach at Ohio State is awesome, and then as soon as they leave, now they suck, I'm not down with that. I thought Alex Grinch sucked here, and I also think he sucks there. So I don't change my opinion of you based on which school you work for. I might change my opinion on you if you show me that you're a better coach than I thought you were. But – to be like, I'm in on the guy here, and, I, and like you never ripped the guy here when Alex Grinch is part of a defensive staff that's given up 50 points to Maryland, and people when he was here acted like that. He was a victim of that. He was part of that. And now he's bad? No. He was bad here. Now he's also bad there. So I just want to make that point. There's a, there's a big difference in my mind. I'm allowed to make fun of Tim Beck at North Carolina State and at Texas because I thought he sucked here also. So don't give me this. When you're in Scarlet, you're awesome. And as soon as you leave the Buckeyes, now you're, you know, your feelings are hurt. Now you're ripping them. Rip them no matter what because they deserve it. It's just that it's so much worse now because he's actually the guy who's 100% in charge. True. There's nowhere to hide. Yeah. The national media uh, Alex Grinch blame avoidance game, I mm -hmm. think, has ended. And so now whenever people tweet about, boy, Oklahoma can't tackle. I don't think they no longer say, but it's not Alex Grinch's yeah. fault. That's the second part of that sentence. There's no Greg Schiato to hide you this time. You got to take this. Speaking of nowhere to hide, our buddy Josh Mustachio, friend of the pod, I called him out earlier because he was the one person who picked Ohio State to get to a national championship game against either Clemson or Alabama for 2020, and he picked them to lose. And so he was one of the people that sent in his first picks and then sent in his redo. He originally had Clemson, Ohio State, Georgia, and Oklahoma getting in. Ohio State, the two seed, playing Clemson and Clemson winning it. His new top four is Clemson one, Ohio State two, Alabama three, Florida four, and then in the national championship game, Clemson beating Ohio State for the national championship. I think Clemson will win it unless Ohio State's defense is just a step below last year or Fields is Vince Young-like. So I guess um, Legion and, and everybody else in that house didn't uh, twist his arm enough to get him back on the Ohio State bandwagon. I respect it, man. I respect yeah. it. I respect rooting for your team That's but also believing that someone else is good. That's actually the example for your kids, I think. You make, a, you make a commitment and you stand by it. I like it. 
we will see whether or not we made a commitment and stood by it when we come back from this break because we are going to give our top four seeds again. You're listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, so here we go. This is what we picked the first time through when we picked whether or not Ohio State was going to win the national championship by giving our top four seeds and our national championship matchup. My picks were Ohio State is the one seed, Alabama the two seed, Clemson the three seed, Oregon the four seed over Georgia, and then Ohio State beating Alabama for the national championship. Doug, you picked Ohio State the one seed, Alabama the two seed, Clemson the three seed, Texas the four seed, but you were not all that excited about it, and I think we've seen why here over the last few weeks. And then you had Ohio State beating Clemson for the national championship. Steven, you had the same top four as I did, Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, Oregon, and then Ohio State beating Clemson for the national championship. So let's go around the room, or I guess we're in four different rooms, and uh, pick who our top four teams are. So let's start with the four seed, because I think you're right. I mean, that's we already know who our top three seeds are. It's just a matter, I think, of what order we're in. Who do we all pick as our four seed? Uh, Doug, start us off. My new four seed is Florida. Uh, they have looked good early. Kyle Trask at quarterback. Kyle Pitts at tight end is tearing it up. People are, again, draft people think Kyle Pitts might be like a top 10 pick. Um, they, interestingly, both Georgia and Florida have a bye before they play in the regular season uh, on November 7th. But Florida does not have to play uh, Alabama in the regular season. So that seems to be helpful. And I just think that they have enough offensively. Um, I think they'll beat Georgia. I certainly like Kyle Trask better than Georgia's quarterback. Did you, Georgia's quarterback, is it – was his name Stetson Barrett or Stetson Bennett, Stetson Bennett the fourth. Is he a stockbroker right now and also a college football quarterback? That's, that, that dude is an looks like he's – that's like a golfer name. Yeah. And That's it, Davis Love the third. And I was I, I had to turn the announcers off while I was watching that George Auburn game. Because if they brought up the fact that they told him he would never start here, they brought it up like seven times. Like we get it. And we know why he he's starting. Be starting there. He's not yeah, supposed we, to be starting. There. Jamie, is, this, I, Jamie Newman would be starting if he didn't opt out. And so this I I get it. We get it. They told him he would never start here. And now because Jamie Newman opted out, he started. I don't need to hear that every single time you pan in on his face. Stetson, Kirby Smart recruited over you five times <laughs> since you've gotten here. How great – that guy – I bet you that guy sucks coming up. Again, I mean, like, this is what we do. It, I, and, like, I hate it, but I also do it. But it's like, oh, Statler Barnett, he had one good game. He's proved everybody wrong. I bet you he proves everybody right coming up. I bet you he's going to three picks and screw them. So, um, yeah, Stedman – Stedman, Stetson, Barkley, I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't care. What's better? And what <laughs> makes more sense? What's Stedman more? Barkley would be a much more quarterback <laughs> That's name. That's a heck of a quarterback name, honestly. Stetson Barrett or Barrett Stetson? What's more of a name? I do believe Stetson Barrett's going to lead Georgia to the promised land. So, yeah, I'll take Kyle Trask. Oh, my. That was a foghorn leghorn. Uh, Where is that accent from? That's my, <laughs> oh, I'm a Georgia. There's a guy. Uh, I just don't buy it. Like I, I mean, That's it's the like, worst. That is the worst Tim May impression I've ever. I heard. do believe. I do believe. Startler Barston. So listen, like that guy's not it. Kyle Trask is it. Kyle, like Kyle <laughs> Trask is like looks like he's it for more than a game, and I just think the schedule works out for Florida, and so I'll just I'll I'll, I'll expect. I think Florida goes undefeated in the regular season, and loses to Alabama, 
And then when people start going, okay, well, who's the fourth team? It's like, well, they only lost to Alabama and they beat everybody else in the best conference. And I think they're it. Steven, who's your four? Yeah, uh, that was, I had a similar four. I put Clemson at number one. I put Ohio State at number two. Alabama was number three and Florida was number four for me under those same premises. Florida goes undefeated all season and they lose Alabama in the SEC championship game, but it's a game the entire way. And it's a four quarter game. You're not really sure who's going to win until it's decided. Well, this isn't as interesting as I thought it was going to be because I also picked Florida fourth. And I went back and forth on how I was thinking about certain things. But I just – at the end of the day, I, the more I thought about it, I was like, well, Alabama's going to beat Georgia. Alabama's just better than Georgia. So then who do I think is actually going to win that Florida-Georgia game? And the more I thought about it – and I actually would probably have voted differently in my AP poll maybe this week if I had, had, if I had been thinking about this prior to having to vote this morning. I probably should have Florida ahead of Georgia in my AP ballot. Right now, Georgia's – fourth and Florida's fifth and it it should probably be the other way because I think what we've seen so far is that Florida has the better quarterback I think Florida can go into Georgia and win that game and I think that's what will happen I think Florida wins I think Florida goes undefeated in regular season like Doug's saying and I think they become the first non-champion the first team to lose their conference championship game and then make the top four Um, partially because again I just don't see anything coming out of the big 12 that's going to make this a challenge. I don't, I don't see how anybody can now put together a resume out of the big 12. I know we're dismissing Oklahoma state too early, but honestly they have not looked that good. I mean, they're winning games early, but they're not that impressive about it. And the, the, the PAC 12, I, I, I just, man, I, there, there was part of me that thought, well, maybe Oregon still just goes undefeated and wins the PAC 12 because the PAC 12 is just not that good, but I can't really bank on that with the, the personnel that they have now. I think it's more likely that they slip up somewhere along the way. I think Florida is the most reasonable choice. When you, when you game it out, that's the one that is the most plausible to me that they would be the fourth team in. The way the things have unfolded for the Pac-12, and it's, it's weird because what's happening in the Pac-12 is not all that super different than what's happening in the Big Ten. They are starting two weeks later, though. And like the line of like, well, how late can you start and still be in the mix? I think the Pac-12 may have gone beyond that line when your conference does not have an established national power already. Yep. So they are not, there's nobody in the PAC 12 who is trying to maintain a reputation to get in the playoff. They are trying to establish a reputation to get in the playoff. And I just don't think six regular season games in a conference championship game is enough to do it. So I think like this Florida scenario or other one loss non-champ scenarios would still be more compelling than an undefeated seven and oh pack 12 champ that nobody thought was that good coming into the year when the team that you thought was the best team has been absolutely decimated by opt-outs which is honestly why i wasn't surprised that even when the pack 12 decided to play you didn't see guys like panay sewell decide to opt back in because you know it's not like they're they're leaving something where it was oh we had a chance to win a national championship this year while in the big 10 you did have a team like that now the thing we're discounting there is a team like a usc or a team like Washington, those are both teams I'm voting for in the top two and five right now, Utah. Like, could one of them make some kind of an unexpected run, and now you're standing undefeated at the end of the season? But I think that's what it would take. And I think even in that case, you better, you better really – you're going to have to go undefeated, obviously, because I think in that case, a one-loss Florida or a Georgia that splits with Alabama or even a one-loss Notre Dame or someone like that is maybe the team that gets in. I just think, like, say you're Notre Dame. And you go 10 and one in the regular season with a loss to Clemson. Then you play Clemson again in the ACC championship game and lose again. 
and you're 10 and two. You've played 12 games and your two losses are to the freaking awesome team in your conference. And you're being compared to a seven and O PAC 12 champ whose best win is against who exactly? A five and two you've Pac-12 played, team. You've played 12 games. They've played seven. You played Clemson twice. They played Arizona State. Like, it's just, I just don't think, if I was a committee member, I would be saying, show me the team. Okay, so Notre Dame has two losses, both to Clemson. Show me the team that any Pac-12 team has played that's anything like Clemson. There's no comparison. Okay, I'm throwing out Notre Dame's two losses. Now Notre Dame has 10 wins and a Pac-12 team has seven wins. And Notre Dame beat Miami. They beat North Carolina, whatever. I, like, I just don't think there's a path for the Pac-12 champ at all. I just I think they're out before they start. It might be. And I, I, I'd also want to throw this out there. Let's say we're wrong about Spencer Bucklesworth, Esquire, whatever his name is, at Georgia. And they beat Florida. Let's say they, they whoop Florida at home because they get to play them at home. But Georgia still loses to Alabama twice. Maybe they're competitive games, but they lose to them regular season, lose to them in the SEC championship game. I'm not convinced that that team doesn't still make the playoff this year. Now, what, what I think is problematic would be that it could be they've already played twice, including in the SEC championship game. And now if Alabama's the one seed and Georgia's the four seed, now they're playing again. They're going to play three times in two months or whatever. I, I, I wonder if that's something the committee would then take into effect. Like, is this what is this what does this mean for college football if those teams get to have to play again? I wonder in a situation like that, if Notre Dame has a similar scenario where they lose to Clemson twice, which one they put in? Well, it might be neither is what I'm saying. They may go off the reservation and pick someone else. And I think some people would argue that the committee is capable of operating that way because when they couldn't decide between which Big 12 team to put in in 2014, they just said, screw it, we'll put in Ohio State. And we'll put in neither of them. And so if you're like, if you're like, well, if we put in Notre Dame, let's say the one seed is a toss-up between Alabama and Clemson. And you're like, if we put in Notre Dame, they might end up playing Clemson a third time. If we put in Georgia, they might wind up putting, playing Alabama a third time. So let's just put in Oklahoma State. Like, I, you know, I don't – because I don't yeah. know what the good solution is. Here we are talking about how important it is to be the one seed so you get to play the lesser four seed. But if it's the third time you're playing them – but would you would you rejigger something? Would you like make Ohio State be the four seed and play well, see, Alabama? That's the thing. Yeah. So then do you, do you manipulate the seeds for that? I think that's problematic. To or avoid we, a third matchup with Georgia, I don't know what the answer is there. Or does Wisconsin put itself in the position to be the second Big Ten team if they go undefeated in their in their schedule and they lose to Ohio State in the Big Ten championship? That solves all of that. But Ohio State's not the one seed, so Wisconsin can play Alabama and Ohio State can play Clemson and everything's fine. Yeah. It could get super-duper messy, and sometimes the easiest way to clean up a mess is to ignore it. And so it's like <laughs> our answer is it's not this messy thing or this messy thing. Welcome to the playoffs, 7-0 and USC, which well, is goes or, against everything I just said. Or, or how about, you know, two loss Georgia, and we don't want them to play Alabama again. Two loss um, – Notre Dame, we don't want them to play Clemson again. Uh, Wisconsin only lost once, but they just got crushed by Ohio State last week or yesterday in the case of when they're going to be making this decision. Uh, everybody in the Pac-12 has at least one loss, and none of them looked good. The Big 12 is still – this dumpster fire is still burning. You can pretty quickly get down to how Cincinnati gets into this thing if they're undefeated in that scenario. 
I also think the easier thing probably is not that you mess with the three and four seed, but maybe you wiggle the one and two seed. So mm-hmm. if you thought maybe. Bama was going to be the one seed, but George is the four, you make Clemson the one. And now Bama's playing Ohio State. All right, so all three of us are marking it down. Florida is the four seed. Let's move on up the list. My number three is Ohio State. So is mine. And, Stephen, you already said yours, but I wasn't listening. Yeah, uh, my number three was, was Alabama. Okay. Here's why – we already talked about this, but I just feel like – I think all three of those teams are going to go undefeated, and I think Ohio State's schedule of those three right now, even when I include who they might play for the Big Ten championship – I still give a slight edge to those other two teams in terms of strength of schedule. Now, that's not the only thing. It's not just strength of schedule. It's also how you perform against that schedule. So I'm completely leaving it open to the fact that Ohio State could come in and just torch it to such an extent. I mean, Clemson was kind of doing this last year. Clemson's strength of schedule was bad, but they kept showing up really high on the the, the rankings uh, throughout this, especially later in the season. They made a surge back up to where they were knocking on the door of being even, you know, a, a two seed because they were just crushing people by so much. And the committee recognizes that they look at the metrics and recognize that. So that path is there for Ohio state to just be so good that you can't ignore it. But I think these other two teams might be that good too. I, I totally agree. I think, I so think so, Ohio state, so you're reasoning for, for, yeah, I, I think Ohio, I think Ohio state might blow through a schedule in a way that, the conversation is whether or not they deserve to be number one over Clemson or not. And because Clemson would have a harder schedule, they would give Clemson the one seed over Ohio State. When you have Bama as a three seed, Stephen, do you have Bama losing or do you have undefeated Bama as the three seed? Losing. Okay. I think undefeated Bama as the three seed doesn't make a lot of sense. No, no, they would lose. Yeah, if they were undefeated, they'd be my two seed. But uh, They would lose that game, and so Alabama would be the three seed over Florida. Florida would still be the four seed in that situation. Then I would have Clemson at number one and Ohio State at number two. Okay. Since we're marking it down, did you have a specific game that you have Alabama losing? Georgia. So losing to Georgia in the regular mm-hmm. season. But because Florida beat Georgia and gets into the SEC championship game, and that's where, you know. And then Alabama beats Stuart mm-hmm. Florida head-to-head. Mm-hmm. Sounds like we have a Stedman Barkley believer among us. At least briefly one game. Does that make it tougher for Alabama, for Florida to then be the four seed if the team they're losing to is a one loss Alabama as opposed to a undefeated? Not if they beat the team that Alabama lost to in the first place and Alabama looks like Alabama the rest of the season. That's, That's true. It, like like the Georgia now beating Georgia looks even better because Georgia beat yeah. Alabama. So it's all like a circle again. It's about whether your circle is a Cheerio or a Hulu and whether or not you eat your babies. Couldn't have said it better myself. My number two team is Clemson. And my number one team is Alabama. Who did you – how did you guys split those up? Agree, agree. You and yeah, I have the I'll same say, thing. Yeah, I'll say number two, Clemson number one for me. I, and I, I, it, part of me, again, it's just like I, I don't think anybody in the SEC is going to beat Alabama, and I think the undefeated SEC champion – has, has it ever happened to the undefeated SEC champion wasn't the number one seed? Are we on earth? No, yeah, I don't no, think that's right. ever or, or will ever happen. No, I, I can't imagine it. Um, and if I, so I'm looking, uh, I wrote down what you said. I said, so I did not have Alabama. I had OSU one Bama two Clemson three. When we did this before, the reason yep. I would change now is because Mac Jones has shown something. And so mm-hmm. if, if I thought, well, Bama's had a lot of defensive talent back, they had some injuries last year. I think they'll be good on defense. 
I'm not sure about Mac Jones. I know the receivers are good. I think Najee Harris is even better than I thought. I think Mac Jones is, has shed any doubts. Again, he doesn't have to be Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, but I think he's really good. And he can allow these receivers to do what they're going to do. So Alabama to me is a angry, but also looks like a very complete team to me. And again, if, if this is the Alabama team that Ohio state ends up facing, this is just a notch above Amari Cooper was awesome. And they had Derrick Henry. They didn't give him the ball enough, but you add a different level of quarterback and you add multiple receivers in here that are kind of at a different level. Listen, I know Alabama always has talent. I just think this, we might be getting back toward um, more toward peak Alabama than, than what Ohio state faced in 2014. Again, not that Ohio state can't beat them, but, but if anybody thought before the year, it's like Clemson and Ohio state, are kind of like one, two, because their quarterbacks are so good. And then Alabama is almost right there with them, but like a little bit behind maybe because they don't have Lawrence or Fields. I think it's a three-team race. And someone, and I saw, I saw another Ohio State beat writer this weekend tweet, let's just have Ohio State and Clemson play a five-game series in a bubble for the national championship. And I said, I'm going to take this tweet and send it to Nick Saban and he can hang it <laughs> in the locker room. And then it will be that Ohio state writer's fault. If Ohio state loses to Alabama, because uh, again, it makes it less fun to like make fun of I'm not an Ohio state Homer. I'm willing to acknowledge that they are awesome. Ohio state's awesome. Clemson. Awesome. How can you argue with it? How can you argue with Trevor Lawrence and Dabo? If you do not also think that Alabama is awesome, I'm not sure what you are looking at. So I think it is a three-team race, definitely not a two-team race. And I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong if one of those teams loses, but it's hard for me to sort of picture it. Yeah, I'll say this, though. Clemson, yes, they are awesome, but they're not, they don't always look good. And, and, and some, right. some, of that is, yeah, some of that is probably their offensive scheme. Ohio State plays an offense that allows it to go for 50-plus points in certain games. I don't necessarily think Clemson has an offense that caters to that. So it's – even when they when they played this past weekend, it was at times where I'm like, this is the supposed to be the best team in the country, and I'm not seeing it. And obviously they ended up pulling away, and Trevor Lawrence is what he is. But because of how their offense is ran, they don't always look awesome. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I just want to point out that people, you know, we talk about Alabama as if, like, they really dropped off a cliff last year. They lost by five points to LSU, which was, like, arguably the greatest college football team of all time. Like, just a phenomenal season. And they lost by three points at number 15, Auburn. And otherwise, right. were pretty good. Then they, they crushed Michigan in, the, in their bowl game. So, um, not, not exactly like they fell into an abyss. They didn't do what Oklahoma's doing by any stretch. So, this, is this, this concept of, like, Alabama having, like, fallen off um, was not really legitimate to begin with. And I, I think they're right. They're right there with anybody this year. And I think they, they might be the best team in the country. Um, some, some scenarios that some of our texters threw out before we get to our championship games, uh, from the two, six, nine, they had Florida. I believe they're putting these in, in seed order, Florida, one Clemson, two Ohio state, three Alabama, four. So that would mean Florida and Alabama, I think both getting to the championship game undefeated in the sec and then Florida beating Alabama. And then that would then be a rematch in the first round of the playoffs, which I think would be kind of fascinating. And you'd have the Clemson Ohio state rematch. So Tremendous semifinal matchup matchups there if that's how it plays out. Um, and then I think Alabama wins and gets revenge on Ohio State in the natty. With how Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith look, I think that presents a huge problem for our young secondary. Defensively, they present enough of a challenge to slow us down enough. 
uh, from the 269, my vote really hasn't changed. Thinking about OSU's offense, having Justin Fields and the best O-line plus insane wide receiver group seems unstoppable. I trust the running back group to be good enough. On defense, I'm not worried about the D-line or the linebackers. I don't know if any college football team has as much experience at linebacker as OSU. The defensive backs might be young, but are we really going to doubt Kerry Combs and the BIA? So I, I think all of that is, is, is completely on the table right now. I, I, I could see Ohio State winning a national championship, and I could see uh, a team like Alabama emerging and just being um, just too, too damn good this year. This might just, be a completely vague way of looking at it, but I mean, just how good does Ohio State have to look at Penn State to kind of set the tone I mean, and maybe open the door in a situation where them, Alabama, and Clemson are all undefeated and they're the number one seed? I think, it's, I think the Alabama-Georgia game is going to suck a lot of air out of the mm-hmm. room. And I just, I don't know how you get past that. And it depends. It's one of those things, again, and it, sometimes it's, I, I like talking about this stuff. I think it's one of the cool things about college football that's different than the NFL because it's not just standings and tiebreakers. It's like you get to try to try to get in people's minds. But sometimes we can talk ourselves in circles about it because we don't know. But, you know, it's going to matter, like, how good does Notre Dame look during mm-hmm. the rest of the year? So how, that, how good a Clemson win over Notre Dame looks? How good does a Penn State look the rest of the year? So how good – all that kind of stuff is going to matter. Or all that kind of stuff's not going to matter because it's going to be more about the look test. And they're just going to look every week. They're going to know that these three teams are great. They're going to know that they all played some tough teams, but frankly, they were all better than everybody on their schedule. And so over an 8, 10, or 11-game regular season, just who looked better in totality week to week? Sort of take the opponent out of it. I just think Ohio State has a little bit of an uphill battle on that. But, Stephen, like you said, Clemson has the ability to be really good and not look really good. That's going to matter, I think. Yeah. But I just think in the end, people have to remember, I think all the draft analysts right now are saying Bama has six first-rounders on this, and all the draft analysts are saying that Trevor Lawrence is the best NFL quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. So, like, you are talking about not just a good quarterback, but a very rare quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and Justin Fields is right there, absolutely. Trevor Lawrence, man. And you are talking about the best coach of all time in college football who is a defensive-minded coach, who has run through extreme defensive talent during his tenure there. Again, having that kind of defensive talent across the board. And yes, Sean Wade and Wyatt Davis and Justin Fields and maybe Chris Olave are going to be first rounders, but man, Bama has some dudes. This is going to be tough. This is going to be really hard, but they can do it. Ohio State can do it. But please don't at any point this season as an Ohio State fan, lose the respect that you should have for the other two teams that you're probably yeah. going to see in the playoff. So let's get to our picks, our championship picks. Um, again, first time I picked OSU over Alabama, Doug picked OSU over Clemson, and so did Steven. My new pick is my old pick, Ohio State over Alabama. And for me, it just comes down to Justin Fields. I think you get into that scenario with everything that these teams have been through the last couple of years uh, but, but, but everything that Ohio State's been through, uh, even just in the past few months, I think this is a team that is, is sort of seizing, seeing the moment and trying to seize the moment. And I, I, maybe I'm, I'm getting out over my skis a little bit, and maybe that stuff doesn't come into play. Maybe it is just all about X's and O's and, and who's bigger and stronger. But I, I, do, I could I definitely see a scenario where Ohio State has um, a little bit of a team of destiny feel to it this year and that this is their opportunity something they fought for to even get back on the field and now they want to capitalize on it and the fact that the big 10 has has 
done what it is doing as far as the daily testing and being really out in front of that, I think that maybe gives them the best chance to get through this unscathed that I'm maybe having a, a super significant problem with it. So I'm taking Ohio State over Alabama for the national championship. Steven, who did you pick? Yeah, I went Ohio State over Clemson in the national championship. I picked Ohio State to beat Alabama simply because Alabama, yes, to everything Doug just said, Alabama is, is real. But I think the better quarterback is going to win that game. And Justin Fields is clearly the better quarterback over Mac Jones. And then I think the Ohio State beats Clemson. I mean, I, that's a better matchup, I think, than over Alabama. When we're talking ta- – when you match up talent with Ohio State has and what Clemson has, I think the difference is Ohio State might have the best offensive line in the country. And Clemson's defensive line is great, but it's really young. They're playing two other five-star freshmen on that defensive line while we know what Wyatt Davis and what Josh Myers are and what Thayer Mumford is. And you know, Harry Miller has a five-star kid. And regardless of who ends up winning that right tackle job, it's a five-star guy. With five-star talent is five-star talent, but it's really young, and I'll take the experienced five-star talent over the, the young guy. So I'm not going to change my pick. I'm not going to back off Ohio State. So I'm gonna, I would pick Ohio State to beat Clemson in the semis and Ohio State to beat Alabama in the national championship game. Um, but talk to me again when we get there because – Oh, we will. I, yeah. I might pick Alabama. This is I not just, the last time we're marking this down. Um, we might have to mark it again again after Ohio State plays a game, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll tell you, if, if this happens this way and everything, everything that we talk about is – on a national level with Ohio State, because there's, there's no point in focusing on, on much else. To have a year when you thought they weren't going to get to play, if they get to go through both of them, through both of them, through the, the program that they haven't been able to beat in Clemson, and through the program that in beating them raised the level of modern Ohio State football, if you get both of them in this year, and if you beat both of them in this year, in this convoluted, chaotic college football season. If Ohio State goes 8-0, beats Penn State in week two, beats Michigan, wins the Big Ten championship, and then in whatever order, beats Alabama and Clemson and finishes off an undefeated national championship season, I think it will be the greatest season in Ohio State football history. That's hard to argue with. With yep. everything that has happened, with everything that's at stake, with those two programs and the way they define them. And I know I think we've had this discussion at times on this podcast, who you play and who you go through on the way to a title. Listen, if Alabama loses and they, you know, if they end up playing Notre Dame and Florida to win the national title, I mean, they're not turning in the title, but I don't think it'll be the greatest season in Ohio State history, right? That's what we're talking about here. Yep. So, you take it. I mean, I, of course. I mean, I don't even have to say that. But if that's how it happens, that they're one of these three programs. There's three. They're one of the three, but they're clearly third of the three. No doubt about that. You can't argue that. And they beat both, and they win it all in a year when they didn't think they were going to get to play. Talk about it forever. Talk about it forever. And I'm not going to pretend I know everything that happened in 1942 and in 1961 and in 1968, I know a lot about happened in 1968. That, I think, is the comparison, right? The 68 team, 2002, I mean, that's right up there, too. I mean, it's like a first start. Now you're starting to compare the greatest seasons ever and which championship is better. Man, how do you start slicing that? But just feeling where the program is 
and that Saban's the best ever. And listen, if Dabo keeps doing this, Dabo's going down as one of the best ever. And Ryan Day in year two beats both. And Justin Fields might be the best quarterback we'll see come through here. I mean, there is, there is so much at stake. So I hope it's getting people fired up to think about that. I think, I think everybody listening to this, this podcast already knows this. You know this in your head. I don't know if you've said it out loud. You know this in your head that what is on the line for this season for Ohio State is not a national championship season. It's the greatest season in Ohio State football history. It's there for the taking. All you have to do is win every game. Hey, all you have to do is win every game. And have those other That's teams come through on their end too. Yeah. But, but it's, it's not a – we'll be more surprised if they don't than if they do Correct. because the way things – like the, the focus has narrowed a little bit. Some of this, all this stuff, the Zoom, the COVID Zoom has brought us to these three teams. And you'd rather not have to go through both. And also, if you're the one seed and you beat Florida and then Alabama, I don't think it's the greatest season ever. you got to beat both. So you don't want to have to do it. If someone said, would you rather play them both or play a crappy four seed and then they'll play the winner? You'd say, give me the crappy four seed every time. But I don't know that they're going to get that choice. And if they don't and they beat both, it's better than anything that's happened in the history of one of the greatest college football programs in the country. Well, let's end it there. That was another Market Down Monday for Buckeye Talk. Only, what, two more of these before this? Well, one more, and then the season starts. And then it's like game week. Then we'll be marking yeah. down what's going to happen against Nebraska, I guess. Yeah, we're going to have to talk about exactly how that structure is going to look because I think we'll want to do our game predictions later in the week. But So maybe Market Down Monday as a – theme goes on hiatus i don't know we'll figure it out we'll, we'll still be bringing you stuff uh the text 614-350-3315 on tuesday this week we are talking to i can't remember now who we get for ohio state on tuesday we've got interviews I think it's linebacker i think it might no, be a linebacker. yeah we already did the linebackers no it's defensive it's defensive linemen in some in some other position group this week i forget what other position group is Running we back. Definitely, we running we back. definitely have defensive line this week. Yeah, we running back. to the neck. You, you already talked to the neck, right? Yeah, you did talk yeah. to the neck. I'm going to have Defe something it's on the defensive neck. Li yeah, defensive linemen and running backs. That's what it is this week. Gotcha. I'm going to have something on the neck, I think, for Tuesday morning about his switch to the will and what that means. Um, we may talk about that more for Tuesday's pod because we did learn some things about the team last week that I think we probably need to get into. So um, we'll have some more. Can I ask very quickly? I didn't, I didn't get on the – I wasn't on the Zoom call with the linebackers. Yes. Did his neck look any bigger or like same? So I have it up on gallery view. So I have a bunch of tiny little ones and I'm typing. So I, I don't even know. I actually saw him it protruded out of the mask. Like the masks made it look so much bigger. Cause uh, he, had, he had a, he had a medical mask on. So it's kind of smaller. And so you could just see it protruding. I didn't maybe, maybe I thought maybe his neck wouldn't even fit in the zoom box. It's like out the side of the box. Uh, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by, by winner at the will. He's going to make, I think we said this. I don't know if you can bet this anywhere. Pete Werner's leading Ohio State in tackles. It's not even going to be close. He's going to have like 100 tackles in 10 games. I wonder if his neck had just outgrown the Sam. Like, we, they, you know how like some yeah. guys like you, grow you out of shortstop yeah. in baseball? Like, you're too big. We can't keep putting you at shortstop. Like, I think his neck had outgrown Sam. They had to move him inside. It's so big that it had to be free to get tackles and just wreak havoc. You can't well, no, just I think have it covered free tight ends. Yeah, I think it was more well, no, when he was outside. Like now, he's like it's like you're this your 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 neck is just the this this wall on the interior of the defense. We need you getting TFLs and not covering tight ends. That's what we need from that neck this year. 
Al, just three real quick questions about Pete's neck. Um, I got to get back on these Zoom calls. I'm missing out. Hey, Pete, hey, Pete uh, three quickies about your neck. From the car. That was the best Tim May impression that was the on best this podcast. But uh, come back with us Tuesday. We're going to have more coverage of this team. And stick with us uh, five every day. We're pumping them out every day. And then Friday, big retalkables Ooh. on – Big retalkables. Big. Should, have we already told them who it is? Should we say? No, let's tell them. Let's tell them. Let's tease them. Get them excited. Fun. We're really we're going way back. So we've we've brought you an Urban Meyer game. We've brought you a John Cooper game. We've brought you a um, Jim Trestle Trust, game. Jim Trestle. Yep. We are jumping all the way back to 1968 for the Ohio State Michigan game. We've got to get an Ohio State Michigan game in. That's one of the most famous ones of all time. We are going back. 50 years, more than 50 years, to bring you a, a true retalkable. Uh, it's going to be – I have never watched this game. I don't know if Steven's ever watched this game. Doug may have watched it on YouTube. You know what? I, don't, I think I've watched parts of it. I don't think I've watched the whole thing. But it's out sure, on YouTube. You've read a lot about it. You've yeah. read a lot about it. So, yeah, that is available on YouTube if you guys want to watch it this week so that you're caught up for when we talk about it for Friday. It's out there. So, um, we're, I'm excited about that. I think it's going to be fun. Yeah, no, I think it's – I mean, again, it's very different when it's a game that I covered and you guys didn't, or when we, you know, we had Eric Hansen in, somebody who covered it. We're not going to have somebody that covered this game, but we're all, but it's so well known. So it's going to be great to absorb it sort of firsthand when, um, when all of us know, again, that this is, that is right now, you know, arguably the greatest season in Ohio State history. So um, I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it too. That'll be Friday. This was Market Down Monday. And that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>